0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Tuesday, March 13th. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View please remember to like share and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube and subscribe wherever you uh, listen to, to podcasts, uh, wherever you check out the big blue view radio network. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube, you, uh, you see a familiar face uh, on the other side of the screen here. That is Nick Filato of the Chris and Nick show. And and I stole Nick to uh, talk about the, uh, the Giants moves in day one of, of free agency. Nick, how you doing? And uh, thanks
1: for, for hopping on on short notice. Ed, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to join you. Talk some shop. It seemed like in the beginning of free agency, Twitter, Giants Twitter, everything was kind of falling apart. We saw Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards go to Chicago. A lot of Giants fans were unhappy, but right now as it sits five oh eight on Pacific time for me, I'm pretty pleased with what the Giants have done.
0: 808 here. And, and and like I told you before we started, you know, I, I'm old. I'm supposed to be in my pajamas by now as we record on uh, <laughs> uh, on Monday night. But, you know, got, got to take care of business and business picked up this evening as the Giants made the biggest linebacker splash, the biggest off ball linebacker splash that they have made since signing Antonio Pierce. When they signed Bobby Okereke from the Colts today, um, what was your first thought when when you saw that signing?
1: Yeah, so I pronounce it Bobby Okereke, and we're gonna have to find a way for somebody to uh, remedy that situation. But I was pleased with it. He was somebody that I wrote up for the website, Big Blue View on uh, should the Giants explore this option. And I had a lot of players that I was interested in, right? Like Tremaine Edmonds, that was kind of the big fish that everyone was talking about. You can link it into Joe Shane. It made a lot of sense. Rangy linebacker had 10 PBUs this past season. Then you had TJ Edwards, very familiar with him within the division. But the Giants going to get Okereke, I mean, we're quite familiar with him from that late 2022 game when he elbowed Daniel Jones in the head and he was flying around the field. I mean, that was an Indianapolis Colts team, Ed, that ostensibly gave up on Jeff Saturday, right? Like it was not a great situation. Everything was kind of falling apart around that organization. Turn on that film against the Giants because you'll see Okereke just flying around the field. And that's the type of player that I want. Somebody who is never going to quit. Somebody who is passionate. May toe the line a little bit sometimes in terms of being dirty or not, at least against the New York Giants. It definitely seemed like he did. But I was quite pleased when I heard that he was added to the second level because there was no other position on this Giants roster that probably needed some sort of just competent veteran player, right? And Bobby Okereke is a competent veteran player who I think can take this defense to another level. Somebody who can blitz effectively. If you want him to come downhill, something like Martindale loves to do. Somebody who can cover if you ask him to drop, which he will. And somebody who has the range sideline to sideline. He's not the most athletic linebacker in the world, but he has sufficient athleticism to play the linebacker position. So I'm quite pleased with the signing.
0: Whether it's Okarake, Okareki, whatever it might be, I think I'm just gonna go with Bobby O for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll just go with Bobby O for the time being. Anyway, you know, you look at tackle numbers. Tackle numbers to me are the worst way in the world to judge a linebacker because. Nobody knows. Well, well, actually, if you really dig into the analytics, you can figure it out. But just by looking at the tackle number, you can't tell if those are impact tackles, if those are tackles made five or six yards down the field when the offense has already had a successful play. But what I do know when I look at the, at the measurables, I, you look at the speed, 82-plus-inch wingspan, um, I think 82nd percentile 40-yard dash speed. This is a guy that has the size, the length, the speed that Wink Martindale craves. Martindale said early in the season, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, if you're slow at middle linebacker, you're slow on defense. And with with this move the giants aren't slow anymore
1: no they're not slow on defense plus he's a player who is smart who knows how to understand his run keys keying diagnose and then put himself into position to maximize that athletic ability and you're right man the swing span is 98th percentile for the linebacker position the arm length 97th percentile and when you think about throwing against linebackers with that type of length it closes throwing windows if you have that type of length it just makes the windows that much smaller and in the nfl ed the windows aren't large to begin with, so that's just another another notch for Bobby Okereke, in my opinion, or Bobby L, if we're going to refer to him like that. This is a six foot well, one, two hundred two hundred thirty nine. We need to figure 000. that one out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'm going to roll with Okereke, man. I mean, then that, that just right. sounds cool, in, in my opinion. Well, and that, well, we'll
0: we'll go with that. We'll go with that for tonight. We'll go with Okereke. All right, that works.
1: Until someone till someone corrects us, man. Let's, let's all just right. Rock it.
0: Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. You know the the thing about it is. What did we see at linebacker for the Giants last year? Austin Caltro and Tay Crowder at the beginning of the season, Jalen Smith and Jared Davis at the end of the season with a little sprinkle of of Micah McFadden, you know, who's a an okay downhill run defending young linebacker, but it wasn't good enough. It was a big part of the reason why the Giants run defense wasn't good enough and uh, we we knew, that that the Giants had to address it, you know. I've gone back and forth about a linebacker at twenty five in the draft, which I really didn't think the Giants would do, and now I'm one hundred percent certain they won't do. But I already had a question in the mailbag today. Oh, okay. You know, you you talked about Tremaine Edmonds and T.J. Edwards, and we saw. All of the linebackers that came off the board before be, before O'Carcare signed with the Giants, and the question was, you know, well, basically, I understand the, the the reader said I understand why they wouldn't have gone to the numbers that Tremaine Edmonds got—fifty million dollars guaranteed, four years, seventy-two million, crazy money. All right, but T.J. Edwards got three years and nineteen million. Jermaine Pratt got three and twenty-one. David Long got two and 11. The Giants paid the second most for a linebacker out of that group. And my blunt answer is to why would they do that? My blunt answer is because this is the guy they wanted. This is the guy they felt was maybe, you know, if they felt, if they felt, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was the best guy but out of their price range, this was the guy they were really after and they were willing to pay somewhat of a premium to get him.
1: That's what I'm hoping, right? You don't ever want your team, team that you follow, the team that you love to settle for the second or the third option. So I'm hoping that you're right, Ed. There's nothing that I can really add to that because David Long is a, is a really good football player for the value that he signed at right like tj edwards is a good football player that the chicago bears were able to get at a discount and i like bobby okara tape and if i'm not mistaken i saw the initial numbers sometimes this stuff changes on twitter it's 10 million a year right
0: yeah it's four and 40 with 22 million guaranteed that's obviously according to the initial reporting and if you follow these things you know that by the time we see the actual numbers by the time the contract you know hits the over the cap database or whatever it might be slightly different than that
1: okay yeah so i'm hoping that he was a a giants number one choice from what i've seen so far just from watching him before i wrote the Big Blue View piece prior to the start of free agency. I liked Okereke from what I saw against the New York Giants. I loved his tenacity. I loved his athletic ability. I loved how it seemed like he could handle a lot of different responsibilities. I've yet to dive into the tape on him yet, but I am eager to get into his tape after we're done with uh, Rakim Nunez Roches.
0: Yes, and let's talk about Rakim Nunez Roches a little bit. You know, Joe Shane, you know, I have the opportunity on occasion to to sit in front of press conferences or Zoom calls with Joe. And from the day after the season ended, from his season ending press conference right through the combine, he made it clear that one of his priorities was to upgrade the Giants run defense to upgrade the run defense, and to upgrade the depth behind Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. And for me, this is exactly what the Nunez Roches signing is all about. It's about run defense. It's not about making spectacular plays and pass rush. It's about having better players on the field when those two guys are off the field. And I wouldn't be surprised if if that's not the last defensive lineman they sign.
1: I wouldn't be shocked about that either. They need to find defensive linemen who can spell Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence just played the third highest snaps out of all the interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and the guy's almost 350 pounds. He's truly a unicorn out there. And Leonard Williams, he was beat up last season, and that was unfortunate. But at the end of the year, it was Henry Mondo and Ryder Anderson who was spelling these guys. Nick Williams, I felt like, Ed, he was a, he was a solid interior defensive lineman who filled his role admirably. But he ended up tearing his pec against the Seattle Seahawks. And after that moment, Giants went into the bye week. They never had any depth. You couldn't take Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence off the field and expect your run defense to hold up. And that was with the gigantic liability that the Giants had at the second level at linebacker. So the fact that they were able to remedy both of those situations on the first day of free agency without breaking the bank is something that I'm happy about, at least. And Nunez Roches, man, he is somebody r and I believe you can call him too, right? So he is somebody... Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: RNR um, and bobby, o. There bobby we go. O, look
1: at us we're just coming up with uh good old nicknames for the new newly acquired newly signed new york giants but i appreciate him because He's not somebody the Giants are going to have to rely on too much. He's going to be like 25, maybe 30 snaps a game. If you want him to be a one gap penetrator, Ed, he can do that. Mm -hmm. He has the upfield burst. He has the quickness off the snap. He maintains a low leverage. He's not the tallest guy and he fires off the ball. He has a good center of gravity and he can really penetrate. And If you go through his highlights, it's not like he's consistently doing it. He's not Aaron Donald. They're not making him out to be that way. But if you go through his highlights, his top plays, he is beating interior offensive linemen off the snap and just absolutely wrecking rushing paths or getting into the backfield to create pressure. He didn't do that too much. he had 16 pressures this past year, 11 in uh, 2021, and then like 12 in 2020, something along those lines. But he was a very valuable asset to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers interior defensive lineman rotation. And uh, I like the fact the Giants got him because he can two gap too. If you want him to sit there and read blocks and just absorb contact and hold offensive linemen to allow Bobby O'Carriquet to scrape over the top and make plays, he can do that for you. So I really appreciate the signing. I think he's a good overall football player and somebody who will be valuable to what Wink Martindale wants to do. And also what does he want to do? He wants to keep Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams fresh. And this is something, this is a player who can absolutely do that.
0: All right. Uh, for those of you who are listening across the uh, big blue view radio network, we're going to take a short break right now. We'll come back. I've got a, a few other topics to uh, talk about, want to get into some of the giants own free agents that they, uh, that they signed. And the uh, the popular free agent who they lost on Monday as well. All right, we're back on the uh, Valentine's Views podcast with uh, Nick Filato, who I, I stole from the Chris and Nick show for a for a little bit of a free agency uh, episode here. Nick, we got to get into uh, some of the 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 Giants uh, the players that the Giants resigned players that they brought back. Joe Shane had made it clear you know, from the end of the season that he wanted to bring back as many players as he could when it came to, you know, guys that he thought would help this team going forward. And beginning on Sunday, the Giants have done quite a bit of that. They brought back Sterling Shepard. They brought back Matt Breida. They brought back punter Jamie Gillen. They re-signed finally exclusive rights free agent, you know Wyatt Davis, who's a developmental player. But uh, your thoughts, your thoughts on uh, on any of of those guys that that uh, that they've decided to bring back?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to start with Matt Breida because the running back position has been a position that a lot of New York Giants fans, we we felt, me and myself included, that the Giants would invest a draft pick into that position. I still think that's possible. But think about Matt Breida and all the times that he kind of rose to the occasion. Like We didn't really discuss him all that much as somebody who was pivotal. But down the stretch of the season, the Giants used that pony personnel package and they were able to move the football well. I mean, they attacked Minnesota with that pony personnel, having Matt Breida on the football field, using him as a wingback, using them in the backfield, using them in a full house formation, a pistol formation. They used them in a variety of different ways. And they were able to get the Minnesota Vikings defense, which wasn't the best defense under Ed Donatel, but they were able to manipulate that defense to win a playoff game. And it didn't work as well against the Eagles in the divisional round. But I still think that is a, a fun little personnel package that Mike Kafka now has at his disposal again. And you think about the, I can't remember who it was against, but he had this catch um, in the middle of the season, where he took this huge hit over the middle of the field and it was to convert on a third and five. And it was just one of those really uh, tough type of plays that that you want to see your running backs make. You think back to the, the I believe it was the wild card game, it was a fourth and one. They they did a wingback sweep to Matt Breida and he juked he out
0: for that first down. Yeah.
1: He, yeah. He juked out like two players in space and then dove for the first down. He just seems to have that that will and that want and that desire that is so cliche, but that Brian Dable and Joe Shane seem to be preaching about this team and they bring him back. And I think he is a, a good spell to Saquon Barkley and somebody who is quite affiliated with this offense. So I appreciated that retention right there. Also, Nick Gates. Oh, no, we didn't get the Nick Gates yet. He ends up walking out. That was really unfortunate. But you said Jamie Gillen. I didn't see the contract numbers on that because Jamie Gillen's a little bit up and down for me. Ed. And I kind of wanted to ask your opinion on that because yes, he's a Scottish hammer and he has some punts. you are like, oh my God, that was like 70 or that. Was... But then there are times where he just shanks it like 28 yards out of bounds. And I'm like, all right, that, that's a no-go. You can't have that whatsoever. So what were your thoughts on the Jamie Gillen resigning?
0: Well, let me talk about, let me just mention Sterling Shepard quickly before I get into Gillen, and I just wanted to say that I was really happy to see the Giants bring Shepard back. I mean, it's a it's a low-cost, veteran minimum deal, no real risk for the Giants. Had Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post on my show Monday morning, and he and I had talked about Shepard, and the thing that, I think the thing that surprised me with Shepard, is that they did this now instead of doing it in July or whatever when they could, you know, after Shepard could pass a physical. And I, I think probably the reason is this way he can rehab at the Giants' facility. They can monitor his progress. They know he, they know he's going to be back, so they didn't wait. But, but anyway, I'm glad to see Shepard back. But in terms of Gillen. I was a little bit surprised going all the way back to training camp that they didn't provide Gillen with some competition last year in training camp. They never brought in even an undrafted free agent, even somebody to just theoretically push him a little bit. Um, What I will say is that, yes, he was very inconsistent throughout much of the season, when you talk to the Giants, he talked to McGahee toward the end of the season. The Giants thought Gillen was much better late in the season. They thought he was much more consistent with his punting and where the ball landed and and not hitting as many of those, those shank type punts or, you know, punts that just didn't go where the Giants needed them to go. So they saw improvement or they felt there was improvement. They love this kid's talent and i was a little bit surprised it's i think it's a 2 year 5 million dollar deal or 4 million dollars with incentives that make it 5 which is yeah. not bad money for not bad money at all for a punter i'm a little surprised by it i'm a little surprised that it's not a 1 year deal where they're making him come in and 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 compete for the job but they obviously like this kid's talent uh and like I said, they, they feel like from beginning of, of the season to the end that he got much better. So I think that's what this signing is, is that they think his best work is coming up, is still ahead of him.
1: Okay, yeah, that was one that I was a little bit curious about, just because I remember there were times where I was sitting in front of the TV ed and I was like, What is this punter doing, man? A 30-yard. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> I,
0: I, I hear you. The ones that drove me crazy. Nick, the ones that drove me crazy, to be honest with you, is, and Thomas McGahee, Giants special teams coordinator, talked about this a few times during the season. The ones that drove me nuts, if you look at Gillen's touchback percentage, he was way down toward the bottom of the league in touchback percentage. It was something like 12% of his punts ended up in the end zone, And, and that was the worst of his career. And what McGahey said was that he's so strong he hasn't learned to control it. He Mm -hmm. hasn't. He hasn't learned. You know, it's like a pitcher learning to throw a changeup. He hasn't. He hasn't mastered it yet. And you know, they feel. uh, And it it, obviously it looks like they feel he will, or they feel he's making progress toward doing it. Because the ones that drove me crazy were the ones from the forty that landed in the end zone all the time. Those are the ones that drove me crazy you know because that if if you're gonna punt from the 40 you you better pin the team inside the 10 or it's not worth punting from there
1: and that makes sense too because he was probably trying to really control it sometimes when he was punting like way back and then it would only go 30 yards because he's really trying to direct it so the accuracy is definitely an issue he just doesn't necessarily have that control but he's only 25 years old so Hopefully Thomas McGahey can get the most out of him. And you touched on Sterling Shepard too, Ed. I mean, and I'm really. They,
0: oh, the only other thing I was going to say about Gillen was McGahey made the point, made the reference to Jeff Fegels
1: hmm.
0: all the time. And Jeff Feagles was in the league for 20 years or so. And Giants fans saw Jeff Fiegels in the last few years of his career. And what the point that Thomas McGahey made several times was that Jeff Feagles, who's known for his accuracy and his punt placement and all of that, he said Jeff Feagles didn't really figure it out until ten or eleven years into his career.
1: Hmm.
0: So he's so he's making the point that this is still a young punter with a lot of improvement to come. But yeah, go ahead and talk about Shep.
1: I'm just happy that he's coming back. I mean, there's no better hype man than Sterling Shepard. And you could see that on the broadcast angle every single game. Whenever Daniel Jones did anything, whenever any of the wide receivers did anything, Sterling Shepard was jumping up and down. He was talking trash. And we know how he's the he's the longest tenured New York Giant now. He's mm-hmm. been. And I feel like he embodies what it means to be a New York Giant. it's just so unfortunate that he has... Suffered all these damn injuries, but it's cool that he can come back. Hopefully he'll pass a physical, like you said, in July and he can see the football field again.
0: Yeah, Joe Shane calls him a juice guy. We'll
1: juice just have guys.
0: to We'll just have to see if there's actually any juice left in those legs after a couple of devastating injuries. And I don't think anybody would count on Shepard for 70, 75 catches, but whatever he can give you as a as a fourth wide receiver, you know, as a chain mover as a leader in the locker room, whatever he can give you before the Giants probably move him into the front office somewhere, <laughs> you know, which which I wouldn't be surprised to see someday, you know, if, if he's healthy enough to give you something, then that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I would, I would love it. I'd
0: love to see it. You and me both. Well, I tell you one other thing that I would have loved to have seen that we're not going to see is Nick Gates back with the Giants. Gates signed three-year... 16 and a half million dollar contract I think with incentives that can push it to 18 million ironically enough with the Washington commanders which is which means he'll play all of his home games on the field where he suffered that that horrible injury two years ago but uh but Nick Gates no longer a giant and uh And I'm bummed because he's a great guy. I thought he was a hard-nosed player. I thought he was a good player. Um, You know, I was I was hoping he'd be back, but it wasn't to be.
1: Unfortunately, salutations though to Nick Gates. I mean, I I hope that he plays well in 16 games or 15 games next year just not the two against the new york giants if he ends up <laughs> being a starter but it, that is kind of crazy man you go to the field where you had that devastating injury and it was awesome that he even made the comeback and remember he started as like the sixth offensive lineman when the giants were in that weird phase of mike kafka's offense when they were trying to find themselves before isaiah Hodgins' rise to prominence it well, wasn't a lot was of also-
0: that was also when Bellinger was hurt, and they yep. didn't really they didn't really have a tight end. And if you remember, they would go at times with eight offensive linemen. Oh, yeah. You know, instead of using tight ends, crazy I remember, stuff.
1: I remember it well, Ed. I remember it what well. Do you, what was, do you
0: even What do you even call that formation with eight offensive linemen?
1: Maybe big with like three eyes or three G's or something <laughs> like that. Just a really I don't big- know big formation but nick gates started like that and then ben bredesen ended up getting injured so he slid into that left guard spot after azudu went down and he played pretty admirably like, i i really have a lot of admiration for yep. nick gates it sucks that he's no longer a new york giant but you know i do wish him the best in washington
0: you know this for me nick it's one of those things obviously the giants brought in john feliciano last year to be the starting center and obviously Joe Shane and Brian Dayball have connections to Feliciano from Buffalo. And it always kind of felt like, and the Giants haven't brought Feliciano back yet either, but it always has kind of felt like if they were going to bring, that they would bring one of those two guys back and not both. It always kind of felt to me like, like, and I, I think this happens in the NFL. This happened when joe when joe judge was head coach and he brought in Nate Ebner to be the special teams guy and he and he kicked Michael Thomas out the door and Michael Thomas is still playing and that still annoys me that you know that he did that but but I kind of feel the same way about this one you know for Shane and Dable their connection and their trust is with Feliciano it's not with Gates and it always kind of felt like if push came to shove, this was this would be the choice they would make.
1: I understand where you're coming from. I also don't think John Feliciano will garner as much as Nick Gates did on the open market. I'm wondering what his uh, market is right now, and if he w- would come back to the New York Giants. I'm imagining it's going to be significantly less than whatever uh, Gates just signed for. And that might
0: be part of it too, because we we talk about the center position, and you know, I I looked at this a while back, and do you know the last time the Giants had a center who started for more than one season? The last guy who did that for the Giants was Weston Richburg. Okay. So it's been, I think that's 2016. You know, I think was was the year that Richburg left. So it's been a never ending cycle of centers, and and I, for one, would love to see the Giants do draft and develop a center in this coming draft so maybe J- that's the plan is feliciano's cheaper than gates would go with that as a placeholder and and, and develop a guy
1: you got joe titman from wisconsin you got john michael schmitz from minnesota some big 10 centers who are pretty solid i don't know if they would be available in the second round maybe titman would be john michael schmitz might not be so the giants did want him they might have to pick him at 25. i'm wondering I'm very curious to see how the rest of this free agent period pans out, because it kind of helps set us up for the draft, at least in terms of what the Giants may need. I I like this addition of an interior defensive lineman, a veteran interior defensive lineman and linebacker, because the Giants weren't able to land a Bobby O'Carake or a Bobby O or whatever, (laughs) then who, who would have been their line? They would have had to basically use one of their top two picks on the linebacker or they would have had to enter this season with the Jalen Smiths and the Austin Calitros and the Tay Crowders of the world, which is not something no, any Giant fan wants to see.
0: No, we didn't. We didn't want to see that. And, and obviously, day two of free agency, the uh, quote unquote negotiating window where, where nothing is actually supposed to be official, but everything really is. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, free agency is actually done by the time the signing period starts, or at least the good part of free agency is done so which is which is just kind of weird
1: i wonder ed is this going to end up being like college football to where people just commit and decommit like we saw a little bit of that last year with jd mckissick who commit to go to the buffalo bills and then he was like yeah i'm actually going to return to washington we're named the commanders now we're not the football team anymore so let me play for the commanders instead and then the bills went out and traded for naheem hines so i'm wondering if that can still realistically happen i don't envision that happening too often or too much, but maybe down the road a little bit. Maybe this yeah. ends up evolving into college football.
0: I'm, I'm sure it could. Anyway, um, last thing, just uh, just curious if there's anything that you're curious about when it comes to day two, when it comes to to what else the Giants might do.
1: Yeah, tight end and safety. I want to know what's going to happen with Julian Love. Is Julian Love not coming back to the New York Giants since they did not extend any type of, or at least I haven't been aware of an offer sheet that they've extended to him. And if they did extend it to him, maybe it was not enough. It seems like he has a robust market. So how are you going to replace Julian Love? Are you confident enough in Dane Belton, who was benched after the Detroit game? And I think they wanted to bench him after the Houston game when he missed that run fit against Damian Pierce that ended up going for 44 yards against the Houston Texans. So I'm wondering if the giants don't add safety help, then safety becomes a pretty big need, especially in a a defense ran by Wink Martindale, where he likes to use a lot of sub packages. So the safety position, I'm definitely keeping an eye on and also tight end. We hear Mike Gesicki's name thrown out a lot with the New York giants, and he wouldn't be one that I would, I, I would originally have thought That Joe Shane would have wanted just because he's basically a wide receiver. He doesn't block all that much. I know we have a blocking guy in Dane or Dan, Daniel Bellinger, but adding another tight end who can block really enhances your ability to run the football out of 12 personnel. So I think uh, the tight end and the safety positions are two of the positions that I'm really looking at heading into day two.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Let me talk about Julian Love and Darius Slayton, who are two, you know, two guys that, uh, you know, obviously have been Giants for a while. Giants fans are kind of attached to. I don't think either one of them is coming back. In reference to Julian Love, if you read the tea leaves of the things that that Joe Shane has said, he has said multiple times, there is depth in the free agent market at safety. There is depth in the draft at safety. I he would probably like to have Julian Love back if he could sign Julian Love for four or five million dollars a year but Julian Love's market is taking him to eight or ten million dollars a year is what it looks like and and I'm sorry Joe's not going to pay that kind of money And, and the reality of it is the same thing with Darius Slayton I think the rest of the league is going to value what Slayton can do more than the Giants do. I think the Giants—you y- saw it last year—they tried to push him out the door last year. They made him take a pay cut. They made they he was the last guy on the—he was the last guy on the list when the season started. He didn't get a chance to play until everybody else bombed, and I just don't think. For whatever reason, I just don't think they really value Slate and maybe the rest of the, the way the rest of the league will. So I have my doubts that either of those guys will come back.
1: I'm right there with you, Ed. I was wondering if maybe Julian Love was holding out for the Chicago Bears who are just spending money right now, and they've spent well, so much.
0: How much sense does that make? He, he went to Notre Dame. He's from Chicago. Exactly. I think his wife is from Chicago. That's where his family is. I think you, the Bears are all in you with the with the the moves that they've made some of the money that they've spent you know I wouldn't I would hate to see the Giants lose Julian Love but for love I think that makes a lot of sense but I Absolutely. do think if I do think if you read the if you just kind of read between the lines you know the Giants don't have a ton of money to spend even after they they get some sort of a restructure done with Leonard Williams and the Galladay money. And if they're able to get a deal with Barkley, they don't have gobs of money to spend. If they can save a little bit of money at the safety position, I think they'll do it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's probably prudent for them to do that, especially if the market for Love, as we said, is as robust as Judy Batista said on NFL Network. But yeah, hey, <laughs> Slayton and Love, they... They did well for us in 2019 but it's time to move on it looks like
0: looks that way and all right and it looks like it's time for us to move on after i i stole uh mr filato <laughs> here for a for a quick podcast nick i appreciate you uh, jumping on and i'll i'll try to try to leave a little meat on the bone for for you and chris to talk about uh, later on on the uh, on the chris and nick nick show which i hope folks will listen to as well so uh Guys, look forward to that. And uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please take care of each other. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time,
1: and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.